Hello and a warm welcome. I am Armin Trost, Professor for Organizational Behavior at the Furtwangen University in Germany and this is my course on Social Research Methods. So, welcome to the second part about surveys, asking questions. And this time I would like to go a little bit deeper into the psychology of asking questions and answering questions. Um, what happens when somebody answers a question? It's good to know a little bit about the psychology because that will bring you in a better position to create questionnaires. Um, so there are multiple views on how people respond to questions. And Some are cognitive, some are more uh, with regards to, to emotions maybe. So uh, one very nice view, for instance, uh, was proposed by Jonathan Haidt. He made a lot of research in the area of morality, uh, moral judgments, moral reasoning and so. And what he did was he used things like, uh, he named it the, the uh, harmless taboo stories. Harmless taboo stories are stories where nobody is harmed, right? But uh, it, they very much address some morality in the respondent. So uh, a, a nice example, an example is um, there is a man who eats chicken one time in a week. So he buys chicken yeah, and uh, turkey, yeah? one time in a week. So, and whenever he cooks his turkey, before, before cooking the turkey, he has some sexual intercourse with the turkey. <laughs> Strange. And now comes the question to a respondent, is that okay or not? And this is a harmless taboo story because this man does no harm to anybody, just to a dead turkey, which might be okay. I don't know, yeah? And most people respond to that story saying, no, that's not okay. <laughs> okay. And then he went further and asked the people, why is that not okay? Please explain. And what he shares in his wonderful book and his research uh, in the recommendable book, uh, The Righteous Mind, you get some impression about his research, a very cool book. He says the people very often are overwhelmed to explain why they, why they said, no, this is not okay. The people very often cannot explain why, why this is not okay. But the feeling that it's not okay is so strong. Of course, people don't find it okay. Of course, I mean, depending on, on, on how liberal you, you are, might be or conservative or whatever. So uh, the consequence of his research was that when people make a judgment about something like this, I mean, that applies for many surveys where you ask people, what do you think about something? Um, do you think that the rich should share their money with the poor? Most people say, ah, that's okay. Yeah. Um, but what he said is, the first thing we very often do is we feel the answer. We feel the answer and then we articulate the answer. And once we are asked, why did you say so? We start to think. So intuition comes first, 
and strategic reasoning comes second. That's a very solid, robust finding. So what, what, what does this tell us? And that's a very important point for you, is that when you ask questions to people, very often the people respond on a very intuitive way, in a not very elaborated way. And very often the people cannot really uh, articulate why they answered in a way how they answered. Uh, and, and sometimes we really have to question, is, is, is the thing they have answered really what they really believe in? Um, another way to look at how people respond is a more cognitive approach. Uh, I like that pretty much. And it's a very structured approach saying, okay, let's say there is a question. Um, students, for instance, are asked, do you like this lecture? Or you could also say, would you, you answer a consumer, would you recommend a friend to buy this product? Um, you, you could ask an employee, are you satisfied with the quality of leadership in this organization? Okay? However you, you, you ask it, uh, on a level from one very unsatisfied to ten, it's extremely happy, how would you uh, judge, how would you estimate your satisfaction with leadership quality in this organization? Uh, that would be a typical, not a typical, but that could be a question in an employee survey, right? So you always get answers when you ask something like this. Even, even you could even ask uh, rubbish, things that don't exist, you will get answers. Yeah, we know, we know this. So, but what happens in the human mind, in the, in the, in the human information processing, what, what we name cognition also? The first thing is, okay, here's the question. The first thing is, I have to interpret the question first. I have to understand, what does that mean, leadership quality? Okay, and, and then comes the idea, okay, do I have already an uh, opinion on that? Maybe yesterday we had a discussion about leadership quality, and I personally I came to the conclusion that leadership quality is not very good here, so I have this judgment already available, and I just have to recall this prior judgment. But very often when you are asked in a survey, you don't have an answer ready. Yeah? You, have to, you have to think. Uh, and now let's assume you don't have an answer ready, which is uh, mostly the case. Uh, how, how would you estimate the leadership quality in this organization? You have to access relevant information. Uh, you have to think, you have to recall information from your long-term memory. Mm, say, okay, hmm. what, whatever I think about leadership quality, uh, I mean, that's already a problem, understand leadership quality. I mean, that refers to this idea of running a pretest. Ask people what they think about leadership quality, what, what, what it comes to their mind when thinking about this particular concept. It's, it's crazy. Uh, okay, but let's, let's say they have now an idea what that might mean. Um, okay, and then they start to think. They might start to think about specific people. They might think about specific occasion, probably those occasions that happened recently, right? Uh, they, they only can think about um, occasions that, that really happened uh, as part of their experience, of course, yeah? So they recall things, yeah? And then they, 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 use, they, they somehow have to use this information and 
how, however they do this, it's this information which they recall are somehow now in their in their uh, working memory, their short-term memory, in, the, in their consciousness, and then they have to generate what we call a, a judgment. And then they say, hmm, from what comes to my mind now, uh, I would rather say, oh, not so happy, not so good, the quality is not so good. Uh, this is what, maybe that, that might be the first outcome of this type of thinking. Um, but now they have to um, think, okay, mm, I'm not so happy with the leadership quality, but, but will I really say this? <laughs> will I really say this? Or should I maybe format this response to a certain extent? I mean, should I, should I really be honest now or not? Yeah. How do I translate my, my thinking, it's not so good, into these categories that are offered by the researchers? It's, it's an, another point. So, so how, how do I format this and how do I then also uh, change it based on whatever things? Things like, for instance, sh social desirability. I mean, ask, ask somebody, do you drink alcohol sometime? Mm, and then, okay, alcohol, what is that? What, what relates to alcohol? Uh, okay, that's an easier one. And then you have to recall information. And then, okay, did I drink today, this morning? <laughs> did I drink yesterday? Did I drink in the last few weeks? You think, okay, and now you think, okay, is that much? Is that not so much? And how do I then translate this into, into my very specific answer? Um, hmm. When I'm asked, do you drink a lot? Yes, no. Hmm. What means a lot? Um, hmm. Okay, I have to somehow translate my feeling, my impression, my first judgment into these categories. But even then, when I come to the conclusion, well, hmm, I think I drink a lot, will I say so? Because drinking a lot is something that is not perceived as being very uh, honorable. <laughs> you will not get applause for that. I mean, depending on who, 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 who gets this information, but in, 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 in society... It's something which is not desirable. So you might you might adjust this answer in, in a sense of social desirability. So you say, hmm, yeah, I know I drink too much, but I don't want to say so. Yeah, especially in a personal inter personal interview, you won't do this. So this is the process. Yeah, from interpreting the question, what does that mean, leadership quality, to uh, when I don't have an answer, okay, what comes to your mind? What does that mean for my judgment? How do I translate this into these categories that are offered in the questionnaire? And will I really say so? Right? So this is a complicated process. And this is not just science fiction, what I tell you. There are plenty of wonderful, very smart studies that have proved that to a certain extent exactly this, this process happens. And, and I would like to share with you some, some nice examples here because they're also funny. I, re I really like these. And, okay, imagine the following. You are asked the following question. Overall, how satisfied are you with your life? Hmm? Overall, how satisfied are you with your life? Let's say on a scale from zero, uh, completely, completely unsatisfied, but I kill myself, uh, to 10, life is paradise, woo! Zero, 10, where are you? Okay, that's the first question. Now comes the second question. Over the course of the last eight weeks, how many rendezvous did you have? Um, and then you have to insert a number. 
zero, one, five, <laughs> I don't know, 20. So, okay. So, you get a response to the first question, satisfaction with life, and you get a response to the second question, how many rendezvous? So, and now, of course, when you do this with, let's say, 100 people, you now can calculate a correlation. And the correlation is minus 0.1, minus 0.12. So we can also say that the correlation is pretty low between these two. They do not interrelate. So we cannot say if somebody answers in this way in the first question, then the probability is high that he or she will answer in this, in this way in the second question. That probably does not happen. There's no, there is no relation. And we were talking about correlation earlier. Okay. Now let's have the following setting. And we just now switch the sequence of these two questions. And the first question goes like this. Over the course of the last eight weeks, how many rendezvous did you have? Okay? So it's the same question as before. Now, but now we start with that one. And uh, now let's say somebody says, Oh, hmm, zero, zero. <laughs> oh. And, and somebody else will say, Hmm. Last, last eight weeks? I don't know. I can't count. I, ooh, I don't know. I don't know. 50? Oh, 50? What is eight times seven? With different women? Different men? Yeah. Uh, anyway, so you get a number. And then comes the next question. Overall, how satisfied are you with your life? So, now the correlation between these two questions is 0.66, which is pretty high. Meaning, those people who say, well, they had many rendezvous, whatever that means, uh, show a higher probability that they are happy with their lives. What happens? I mean, it happens, how can we explain this? We can explain this absolutely on this cognitive model that I have just explained to you. You have to recall information. And with this rendezvous uh, question, there are specific information uh, triggered, recalled. So you, you are still, when you, when you answer this question about the happiness in your life, you still are under the impression of the rendezvous question. So we can assume that when you are, when you answer the question about the happiness in your life, uh, then this information that was recalled in the previous question is, is still there and that affects your answer. So you, you, once you realize, oh, I did not have any rendezvous in the last eight weeks, but I should. And then you ask, are you happy with your life? You probably say, no. How could I be happy by not having any rendezvous? But sorry, is rendezvous the only factor for being happy in your life? No, hopefully not. But that information triggers a lot. You know, so that's a, what we name a context effect, or we could also say a sequence effect. And you see how fragile, how fragile respondents are. Just change the sequence of the question, and you get completely different answers. Uh, that's that's crazy, right? I mean, you could also do things like, and if you ask, is it okay to smoke? I mean, smoke cigarette, yeah. Is it okay to smoke while you pray? Is it okay to smoke while you pray? Most people would say, no. You cannot smoke while you pray. It's, uh, sorry, don't do this. Okay, let me ask you differently. 
Is it okay to pray while you smoke? Most people now would say, yeah, yeah, it's good. I mean, when you smoke, praying is good anyway. <laughs> you should pray when you smoke. So just smoking is not good. But when you smoke and you pray, that's, that's better, right? Instead of just smoking. Smoke while you pray, pray while you smoke. Uh, the semantic of both questions is absolutely identical, but you get completely different answers. You see? Interesting, huh? But there are also contrasts effect. And uh, that must not always be the case with previous questions. Also, the, the setting of the interview has a lot of effects. I mean, um, this question, how satisfied are you with your life? That's, that's a, a nice question because that was used in many, many uh, studies about how people behave in, in, when they are surveyed. Um, and imagine the following situation. Somebody's asked this question, how satisfied are you in your life? Let's say if an interview situation, a personal interview situation. And in this room, there is another person sitting in a wheelchair I say, how happy are you with your life? And you see this person in the wheelchair, you think, my God, damn, I'm so happy with my life. I mean, and you think, compared to this, to this person, I, I should be happy, I'm happy in my life. Yeah. Now, the other experimental condition was, you are asked this question, but now the disabled, the disabled person is asking you this question. Can you imagine this? There's a person sitting in a wheelchair asking you, how happy are you with your life? Most people say, well, you know, I'm also not so happy, you know, I also have my trouble. <laughs> right? Uh, contrast effect. Mm, you know, we, we know the contrast effect from, 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 from the psychology of vision. Yeah? If you have, you have uh, a medium gray uh, field uh, in a in a light dark context, the medium gray looks pretty dark, but the medium gray field uh, with uh, in the context of a, of a black uh, uh, background looks pretty light. So uh, contrast. We know this from psychology. It's a very very strong effect. Now is another thing with with regard to the formatting, yeah, and also how you how you draw information from the question itself. It's, 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 it's absolutely fan, fan, fantastic. Uh, so here's a question that is, uh, how much do you watch TV on a daily basis, on average? I just paraphrase. I don't remember the original uh, uh, question. But that, that goes like this. How much TV do you watch? How many hours do you watch TV on average in a day? Okay, so now there are two conditions. In one condition, there are the options like this, up to two and a half hours, two and a half to three hours, three to three and a half, and that goes up to more than four and a half hours, you see? And that really starts with up to two and a half hours. The other, in the other condition, the, the categories are different. They are from less than up to a half hour, then half hour to one hour, and that goes up to more than two and a half hours. So you see the difference? So the, uh, the, the values differ. In the first condition, the values in the options from which you can choose as a respondent are already very high. Yeah? But in the other condition, the values of the options that are often are pretty low. 
so whatever whatever comes to your mind when you think about the frequency of watching TV on average, you look at the categories and the category tell you to a certain extent what is normal. Uh, what is normal? And you assume that the mid, the middle category is, is somehow normal. And in the first condition, the mid category is somewhere between three and four hours. And in the other uh, situation, it was somewhere between one and two hours. So, whether you ask, whether you ask in the first way or in the second way will lead to completely different results. Yeah? When you have the high value categories, then you have in this particular study that was done by Schwarz-Hippler, Deutsch and Strack, in the late 80s, sorry, late 80s, you get 62% up to two and a half hours. While in the other condition, the low value condition, you get 84 up to two and a half hours. So you see, even the, 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 uh, the, the categories that you offer maybe in a questionnaire seriously affect the formatting of uh, our answer and thus uh, they affect the results. Okay? So, uh, let me finally add some practical implications. Okay? Because now we have learned how to create a survey that was in the last episode and or how to create a questionnaire. And then in this episode, we had a little bit uh, reflection on the psychology of answering questions. Now comes the question, okay, how, how should you do things? And of course, when you, when you look into the literature, I mean, you can look at any kind of books about uh, social research methods or uh, surveying. Uh, you will always find a, a, a chapter where the authors outline some general recommendations about good questions and not so good questions. And what I would like to do now is I would like to summarize some recommendations. Some I will find uh, pretty reasonable. Uh, I could say that me personally, I have run surveys many, 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 many times. And, and these are my golden <laughs> criteria that I really take seriously. Really, really, um, always. So, um, the first thing is that your questions that you write down must really relate to predefined indicators. This, this is mainly the point I have shared with you in the last episode. Be clear about what you want to know first. Okay? If you don't know what you want to know, the questions must be bad. So, okay, you were talking about this. The second, second thing is equally important. Um, is the question really relevant with regards to the research question? What is the relevance? So, I can really recommend, once you have created your survey, that's a golden recommendation, really, please. And I tell this every student who shows me his or her uh, questionnaire for, for, for review. And I always say, okay, look. Review all the questions that you have in your questionnaire. And by the way, it's good to have less questions than more questions. Uh, a good questionnaire is a short questionnaire because people don't love to respond to questionnaire. This, they don't stand up in the morning to respond to your questionnaire, really not. So, so better make a short questionnaire. So be very careful. 
Look at the different questions you want to ask. Look at these carefully and then make a guess. What would you expect as a result? Please write down the number. What would you expect as a result? And then you ask yourself, when I get this result actually, what will this mean for the research question? And if you don't have a clear answer to this, then take out the question. So this is about the relevance of the question. Why do you ask this? Why do you ask this particular question? Why do you ask this damn thing? What will you do with that? What will you expect? And what will be the implications when you get this result or that result? Think about this. And if there is no relevance, take it out. There's a, such a big difference between relevance and what's interesting. You only should ask things that are really relevant. Okay? Look that the questions are really short. Short and can answer in a very short way. The attention span of people is short. And as I told you, either the people feel the answers, then they can be answered very, very shortly, yeah? or they really have to think. But don't, people don't want to think because thinking is effort. You need your prefrontal cortex, and that's a precious resource. <laughs> you, don't, you don't waste it by answering the student's questionnaire. Sorry, don't, don't, no offense, but... Yeah. Be specific. Be specific. Yeah? For instance, when you ask something like, um, in the last year, have you been on holiday? What is last year? Okay. When it's January, now we have 2020, 2020. If we are in January 2020 and you are asked last year, then you mainly think about 2019 because that was the last year. When you ask the same question in the midst of the year, let's say in June, last year might be last 12 months. From now, June 2020 to June 2019, when you, when you ask the same question in, in October or in November and you ask last year, most people think of the current year, 2020. So better be specific. What do you mean? Are you happy with this lecture? <laughs> what? Be specific as possible. So with regards to the time frame, you better ask in the last 12 months. That's more specific, you know. But you learn these things when you do a pretest. You learn these things if you listen carefully to your respondent. Um, focus on one thing only, one thing at a time. Um, sometimes you find this um, uh, in questions that there are two things, uh, two things uh, 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 asked all, all in once. In the canteen, do you like the food and the physical setting? Hmm. That was two all in once. The food and the physical setting. Yeah. Okay, I mean... <laughs> uh, relate to things that can be recalled easily. Yeah. Um, 
I find this very, very difficult, uh, for instance, when it comes to questions that you very often find in personality inventories. You very often think, hmm, I don't know how to answer this because, hmm, uh, do you like a plan? Uh, do you tend to control things? Are you sometimes suspicious? <laughs> do you like, do you, do you like new things? Do you like new things? Yeah. Do I like new things? New clothes? Yes, of course. A new car. That would be wonderful. <laughs> How should I not like a new car? Uh, a, new, a new partner? No. A new dog? No. A new home? I, I don't know how I like new things. Do you like new things? Okay, ask this way. When you order a pizza... Do you tend to order always the same combination, the same setting? You can recall this. You can recall this. Yeah. Avoid something like double negative. For instance, to give you an example, I would never disagree with a ban of plastic bags. Never disagree with a ban. <laughs> you have to read this. You have to read this thing multiple times to, to, to get it. Uh, avoid double. Do you not dislike? No. Do you like? Yeah. Uh, use daily terms. You know, here's the thing. Maybe you are a psychologist. Maybe you are a business student, maybe you are a sociologist, maybe you are whatever you study, whatever you do. In the last few semesters, you have acquired a rich, a, a, a rich source of, of terminologies and concepts. But you know, the people outside, those, those you do research with, they have not experienced this level of education very often. Or maybe they have learned something different. Yeah, you might be a social scientist, but the people outside, they are not social scientists. Most of them, they are nurses, they are teachers, they are engineers. They do solid things, so to speak. Gardeners, yeah, truck drivers. They don't use the words you use. So uh, never ask. That's an extreme example, but you know, Would you ever ask an employee, how would you judge the competitive advantage of our company? I mean, it's an extreme example. Competitive advantage. I mean, not even business students know what competitive advantage is. How should, how should a regular employee know what that is? Yeah. Do you think that our company is better than the others? Do you seriously think that this is the case? Still difficult. All these terms of innovation, disruption, agile, business success, uh, process efficiency, management quality, uh, return on investment, Uh, effectiveness. People don't use these terms, so better don't use these terms in a questionnaire either. Right? 
They are normal. They are not like us. They are normal. <laughs> yeah. um, questions very often have a kind of polarity. So let's say you want to you want to create a questionnaire about the quality of leadership. Okay. So difficult task, by the way, very difficult. And uh, and you ask questions um, as questions. Yeah. Say okay. Um, I ask, does a manager listen? Does a manager involve the team? Does the manager inspire? I mean, a yes would always mean good quality. Yeah? The yes stands for good quality. The no stands for bad quality. No, it does not listen. It's not open for ideas. No, it does not involve the team. No is negative. Now you might have a question like... Uh, The manager is constantly lying. Yes. And now yes would stand for that's bad. And no would be the good answer. <laughs> the good the good the answer that's supporting the thing you are measure in this questionnaire. So you have a mix in polarity. Don't do this. Don't do this. That will confuse the people because the, the people will the, the respondents will learn left is good. Right is not so good, and and they will learn this. And once you once you mix these things up, uh, you 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 get crazy information. Really, I did some studies on this, and this it's a very very bad idea. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, every possible answer must be able to be answered based on the options that you offer. Okay. Be sure about this. And don't use any slang. It's, it's, you would never say something like, uh, this product really rocks. <laughs> Or this service really sucks. <laughs> you would, you would uh, never do this. Uh, okay, it's something that I already mentioned. Relate to a specific time reference. Uh, and there's another thing that uh, is very often uh, overseen. So very often questions are come come as statements. What does that mean? I mean look at look at many questionnaires. They 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 are they have questions like this. Um, my manager is open for new ideas. And then you can respond from strongly agree to strongly disagree. But this is a statement. So, as a researcher, you always you, you simply put a kind of truth into the room. You say, my manager is open for new ideas. And now you can say, would I agree or not agree? This is a statement. This statement suggests something. I think this is not fair. This is not a good idea. Uh, you should be open. And so, so, I would put this question differently. I would ask something like, Is your, is your manager open for new ideas? So yeah, this is neutral. And now you can say yes or no. And that also feels different than your manager is open for new ideas. Strongly agree, disagree. Is your manager open for new ideas? Yes, no? I mean, that's, that's how you put things also in a daily conversation. This is how the normal people talk to each other. That's a better way of doing things. 
He would never say to your wife or to your husband, you love me. <laughs> and then, and then you, you can respond, strongly agree. <laughs> Partly agree. Do you love me? Sounds better. Hmm? Yeah. I think so. Sometimes in a business setting, when you have questions that are... It's, it's always good to ask questions in a way that the people also enjoy, love to think about things. Yeah? Um, interesting questions. Yeah? I mean, when you have a questionnaire and you read the questions and as a respondent you, you see the question, you think, oh, what kind of question is that? Uh, boring. Um, you know, for instance, um, executives, when you, when you want to uh, do research with executives, uh, just as an example, huh? uh, when you ask executives things, you better have strong questions. What is the one thing where your company is better than the others? <laughs> that's a powerful question. Yeah, that's really powerful. They like this question. Okay. So, okay, let's leave it to this. This was uh, after, after we have talked about testing. Uh, now we're talking about surveying, uh, which is very, you, you see, you know, surveys, questionnaire, running interviews, this is the, I would say, the, 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 the killer method in, uh, in, in social research. This is, this, most, in, in many research, researches, we, we exactly do this. Yeah? So that's why I spent a little bit more time on this. We have still two other uh, methods uh, for um, data collection uh, open, and I will cover this one in the next episode or episodes. Let's see. And one is systematic observation and the other one is content analysis. Okay? But for the time being, that's enough. Okay? So thanks for listening and see us next time.